we make these investments, there will be no stopping the American people or America. So let's get this done. Yes, please. Let's get this done. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't, but maybe I'm soon. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Just ask. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. All around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. I dare you to say otherwise. <laughs> Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Uh, everything at once today. Everything at once. A, a knockdown, drag out, last minute battles over the president's now $1.75 trillion or so. Build back better bill as he delayed his uh, trip to Europe for the U.N. climate summit and a meeting of the G20 to rally his troops in Congress to pass the most expansive social safety net bill in generations, even with all the cuts, still on par with LBJ's Great Society, FDR's New Deal, which also happens to also be the most expansive climate change action in the history of this federal government. I'm right on that. Yes, you are. Uh, even with several key provisions having been removed on that, on climate and on the social safety net stuff by Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, as far as I can tell, everyone else in the everyone else in the Democratic caucus in Congress at the White House are all on board and ready to move forward. And of course, they were on board and ready to move forward weeks ago on the $3.5 trillion version of this bill. But Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and I should note, every single Republican in both the House and the Senate would not let them move forward. So when I see people out there today, even, complaining about Democrats as opposed to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and yes, the entire Republican caucus. It's kind of it's somewhat frustrating. I'm not sure what's uh, you know what more that Democrats could have done here. Frankly, the Progressive Caucus has won over pretty much all of Congress and the White House to its side, and the only holdouts of note 
are Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Yet I still see some so-called progressives in the Twitter sphere for some reason attacking Democrats and progressives in Congress for not doing enough. I'm not sure what they wanted them to do, but I guess it's cool to be contrarian and, yes, even attack Bernie Sanders and AOC for not doing enough. Yes, that's what some of them are actually doing, <clears throat> though I must ultimately question how progressive those folks actually are. Or, if not, how smart they actually are. Anyway, as we warned you months ago, nobody wants to watch the sausage being made, and the Democrats would be walking through a minefield of sausage making in order to get the Build Back Better Act passed. Uh, with the Progressive Caucus smartly using the smaller bipartisan infrastructure bill as leverage in the House, forcing both of those bills to be voted on together or not at all. Now, with Joe Biden now on his way to Europe, hoping to have something to show to convince other nations that A, democracy can still work, and B, that those other nations need to cut emissions as well as we do, and with government spending on current infrastructure projects now running out this weekend, there's a push by Nancy Pelosi to hold a vote on the so-called BIF the bipartisan infrastructure bill as early as Thursday, even as Biden did not apparently ask the Democrats uh, directly when he met them on Thursday morning before then later offering a speech to the American people on both of the bills on his way out to Europe. So as we go to air at this hour, it is unclear whether the House will actually hold that vote on the BIF or not, or if it will pass if they do, with progressives still insisting that they want to pass both bills at the same time, and not just a framework for the larger Build Back Better bill, but the actual, uh, they'd like to see the actual legislative text. Now, late this afternoon, um, Pramila Jayapal of the uh, of the uh, the chair of the Progressive Caucus has uh, sort of walked back a little bit to say, well, OK, if we don't get a back to back vote on both bills with the full legislative text that she would settle for the legislative text of the reconciliation bill and a promise from Joe Biden that he has all 50 Senate votes to pass it. Uh, this essentially to ensure that Senators Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin actually will vote for the reconciliation bill, the Build Back Better Act, and they won't just vote for the bipartisan bill and then walk out the door. Uh, it's also a measure of how much the progressive caucus trusts Joe Manchin. I'm sorry, trust Joe Biden. They don't trust Joe Manchin. They don't trust Kirsten Cinema. even though uh, Giles Paul had said, hey, it'd be great if either one of them would come out and say, yes, we will vote for the Build Back Better bill. But so far, they haven't. Yeah, that's a problem. But uh, that's where we are sort of at this hour. Um, you know, they don't trust Manchin and Cinema for good reason. And uh, that, even though, by the way, that Manchin and Cinema have put out statements today saying, hey, we've been negotiating the whole time in, quote, good faith. <laughs> now, much reporting has been devoted in recent days to the dispiriting points of what is being cut from the Build Back Better bill. 
free community college, paid family and sick leave, the expansion of Medicare to include dental and vision, even though it still, at least as of this hour, supposedly includes hearing coverage. The plan to have Medicare negotiate prescription drug prices, uh, the major program of carrots and sticks to pay utility companies to transition from dirty fossil fuels to clean energy while penalizing those that don't uh, do that and uh, to try to begin meeting the radical cuts to greenhouse gas emissions that we must accomplish on a much faster scale than almost anyone in Congress or the White House right now seems to fully appreciate. Even if there still will be, at least as of now, a record about $550 billion was the last number I saw, spent on other ways to curb emissions, so long as Joe Manchin allows those to remain in the bill before it receives the final, vo- final vote. But as noted, the sausage-making can be dispiriting, particularly when we're looking at all the things that are cut out. And it's also misleading. For weeks now, it has served up a consistent drumbeat of what is not in the bill and what is being cut from the bill while losing track of what is actually still in the bill, And the milestone, the landmark that it will still be when and if it is passed and signed by the president. President Biden declared on Thursday that he had reached a, quote, historic economic framework with Democrats in Congress on his sweeping domestic policy package. As AP reports it late today, a hard fought yet dramatically scaled back deal announced just before he departed for overseas summits. And they are right. It is dramatically scaled back, at least in financial terms, even if it still contains a lot of transformative stuff. It's also unclear whether that historic framework has actually been agreed to by all parties as of this hour. But putting what is in this measure in front of the American people is frankly long overdue, in my opinion. Biden's remarks at the White House came after he traveled to Capitol Hill earlier on Thursday to make his case to House Democrats for the still very robust domestic package, $1.75 trillion of social services and climate change programs that the White House believes can pass the 50-50 Senate. Biden said of the agreement, such that it is, that, quote, it will fundamentally change the lives of millions of people for the better. Let's get this done, he urged. I agree. Together with a nearly $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill heading for final votes, possibly as soon as Thursday, we will see, Biden claimed a domestic achievement modeled on those of Franklin Roosevelt and Lyndon Johnson. Well, We'll see if that achievement is actually accomplished. But today he spelled out the framework to the American people. Today, uh, I'm pleased to announce that after after months of tough and thoughtful negotiations, I think we have an historic I know we have a historic economic framework. It's a framework that will create millions of jobs, grow the economy, invest in our nation and our people turn the climate crisis into an opportunity and put us on a path not only to compete, but to win the economic competition for the 21st century against China and every other major country in the world. It's fiscally responsible. It's fully paid for. 
17 Nobel Prize winners in economics have said it will lower the inflationary pressures on the economy. And over the next 10 years, it will not add to the deficit at all. It will re actually reduce the deficit, according to economists. I want to thank my colleagues in the Congress for the leadership. We spent hours and hours and hours over months and months working on this. No one got everything they wanted, including me. But that's what compromise is. That's consensus. And that's what I ran on. I've long said compromise and consensus are the only way to get big things done in a democracy. Important things done for the country. I know it's hard. I know how deeply people feel about the things that they fight for. But this framework includes historic investments in our nation and in our people. Any single element of this framework would fundamentally viewed, would view, be viewed as a fundamental change in America. Taken together, they're truly consequential. I'll have more to say after I return from the critical meetings in Europe this week. But for now, let me lay out a few points. First, we face, and I know I apologize for saying this again, we face, we face an inflection point as a nation. For most of the 20th century, we led the world by a significant margin because we invested in our people, not only in our roads and our highways and our bridges, but in our people and our families. We didn't just build an interstate highway system. We built a highway to the sky. We invested to win the space race, and we won. We're also among the first to provide access to free education for all Americans, beginning back in the late 1800s. That decision alone to invest in our children and their families was a major part of why we were able to lead the world for much of the 20th century. But somewhere along the way, we stopped investing in ourselves, investing in our people. America is still the largest economy in the world. We still have the most productive workers and the most innovative minds in the world. But we've risked losing our edge as a nation. Our infrastructure used to be rated the best in the world. Today, according to the World Economic Forum, we rank 13th in the world. We used to lead the world in educational achievement. Now the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development ranks America 35th out of the 37 major countries when it comes to investing in early childhood education and care. We know how our children start impact significantly on how they'll finish. We can't be competitive in the 21st century global economy if we continue this slide. That's why I've said all along, we need to build America from the bottom up and the middle out, not from the top down, with the trickle-down economics that's always failed us. I can't think of a single time when the middle class has done well that the wealthy haven't done very well. I think of many times, including now, when the wealthy, the super wealthy, do very well and the middle class don't do well. That's why I propose the investments Congress is now considering in two critical pieces of legislation. Positions I ran on as president, positions I announced when I laid out in a joint session of Congress what my economic agenda was. These are not about left versus right, or moderate versus progressive, or anything else that pits Americans against one another. This is about competitiveness versus complacency. Competitiveness versus complacency. It's about expanding opportunity, not opportunity denied. It's about leading the world or letting the world pass us by.
Today, with my Democratic colleagues, we have a framework for my Build Back Better initiative. And here's how it will fundamentally change the lives of millions of people for the better. Millions of you are in the so-called sandwich generation who feel financially squeezed by raising a child and caring for an aging parent. About 820,000 seniors in America and people with disabilities have applied for Medicaid, and they're on a waiting list right now, to get home care. They need some help. They don't have to be put, they don't have to be kicked out of their homes. But they need a little help getting around, having their meals made occasionally for them. They don't want to put them in nursing homes, not because of the cost, but because it's a matter of dignity. They want to stay in their homes. But it's hard. You're just looking for an answer so your parents can keep living independently with dignity. For millions of families in America, this, this issue is the most important issue they're facing. It's personal. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to expand services for seniors so families can get help from well-trained, well-paid professionals to help them take care of their parents at home, to cook meals for them, to get their groceries for them, to help them get around, to help them live in their own home with the dignity they deserve to be afforded. Quite frankly, what we found is that this is more popular or as popular as anything else we're proposing because the American people understand the need it's a matter of dignity and pride for our parents. 30 years ago, we ranked number seven among the advanced economies in the world as a share of women working. You know where we are today? We ranked 23rd. 23rd. Seven to 23. Once again, our competitors are investing, and we're standing still. Today, there are nearly two million women in America not working today simply because they can't afford childcare. Typical family spends about $11,000 a year on childcare. Some states, it's $14,500 a year per child. We're going to make sure nearly all families earning less than $300,000 a year will pay no more than 7% of their income for childcare. And for a family making $100,000 a year, that will save them more than $5,000 in child care. This is a fundamental game changer for families and for our economy, as more parents, especially women, can get back to work and work in the workforce. I'm looking at a lot of significant press people in front of me. A lot of them are working, working mothers. They know what it costs. I remember when I got to the Senate, I lost my wife and daughter in an accident, my two boys. I started commuting 250 miles a day because I had my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister to help me take care of my kids because I couldn't afford childcare and I was getting a serious salary, $42,000 a year. We've also extended the historic middle-class tax cut. That's what I call it, middle-class tax cut for parents. That is the expanded child tax credit we passed through the American Rescue Plan. What that means is for folks at home, they're getting $300 a month for every child under the age of six, $250 for every child under the age of 18. We're extending that for another year. The money is already a life changer for so many working families. This will help cut child poverty in half this year, according to the experts.
But that's not all it does. It changes the whole dynamic for working parents. In the past, if you paid taxes and had a good income, you could deduct under the tax code $2,000 per child from the taxes you owed. But how many families do you know, a cashier, waiters, healthcare workers, who never got the benefit of the full tax break because they didn't have that much to deduct and it wasn't refundable. So it either came off your tax bill or you didn't get full credit. Why should if somebody making $500,000 a year or $150,000 or $200,000 a year get to write it off their taxes? And the people who need the help even more, they don't have that much tax to pay they don't get the benefit, and they have the same cost of raising their children. Eighty percent of those left out were working parents who just didn't make enough money. That's why in the American Rescue Plan, we didn't just expand the amount of the middle-class tax cut. We also made it refundable. This framework will make it permanently refundable, making sure that the families who need it get a full credit for it, in addition to those who are already getting full credit. They're going to make sure that every three and four-year-old child in America will go to high-quality preschool. That's part of the legislation I just brought up to the Congress. Studies show that when we put three and four years old in school, school, not daycare, school, we increase by up to 47 percent the chance that that child, no matter what their background, will be able to earn a college degree. As my wife Jill is in the back here, we always says, any country that out-educates us is going to out-compete us. We can finally take us from 12 years to 14 years of universal education in America. We also make investments in higher education by increasing Pell Grants to help students from lower-income families attend community colleges and four-year schools. And we invest in historically-backed universities, colleges and universities, HBCUs, minority-serving institutions and tribal colleges to make sure every young student has a shot at a good-paying job in the future. This framework extends tax credits to lower premiums for folks on a, who are in the Affordable Care Act for another three years. For four million, from four million folks in the 12 states that haven't expanded Medicaid, all the rest have, this framework will enable you to get affordable coverage. And Medicare will now cover the cost of hearing aids and hearing checkups. This framework also makes the most significant investment to deal with the climate crisis ever, ever happened. Beyond any other advanced nation in the world, over a billion metric tons of emission reductions, at least 10 times bigger on climate than any bill that has ever passed before, and enough to position us for a 50 to 52 percent emission reductions by the year 2030. And we'll do it in ways that grow the domestic industries, create good paying union jobs, address longstanding environmental injustices as well. Tax credits help people do things like weatherize their homes so they lose less energy, install solar panels and develop clean energy products, and help business produce more clean energy. And when paired with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, we will truly transform this nation. Historic investments in passenger rail. I know everybody says, oh, Biden's a rail guy. That's true. But passenger rail and freight rail and public transit 
going to make hundreds of thousands, take hundreds of thousands of vehicles off the road, saving millions of barrels of oil. Everybody knows, all the studies show, if you can get from point A to point B on electric rail, you won't drive your car. You'll take the rail service. We also learned that in most major cities in America, minority populations, the jobs they used to have in town, they're now out of town. Roughly 60% of the folks, they don't have vehicles, so they need to have a means to get out of town, to their jobs, to be on time. That's what, this will do that, like it did for Detroit. 95% of the 840,000 school buses in America run on diesel. Every day, more than 25 million children and thousands of bus drivers breathe polluted air on the way to and from school from the diesel exhaust. We're going to replace thousands of these with electric school buses that have big batteries underneath and that are good for the climate. I went down to one of the manufacturing facilities, saw them, got in one, drive them. They do not expend any, they, they, they do not expend any pollution into the air. We'll build out the first ever national network of 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations all across the country. So when you buy an electric vehicle and you get credit for buying it, you buy an electric vehicle, you can go all the way across America on a single tank of gas, figuratively speaking. It's not gas. You plug it in. 500,000 of them. These stations along the way. We're going to get off the sidelines on manufacturing solar panels and wind farms and electric vehicles with targeted manufacturing credits. You manufacture, you get them a credit for doing it. These will help grow the supply chains in communities too often left behind. And we're going to reward countries for paying good wages for companies, I should say, for good wages and for sourcing their materials from here in the United States. That means tens of millions of panels and turbines, doubling the number of electric vehicles we have on the road within just three years. We'll be able to sell and export these products and technologies to the rest of the world and creating thousands more jobs because we are once again going to be the innovators. We'll also make historic investments in environmental cleanup and remediation. That means putting people to work in good paying jobs at prevailing wage capping hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of abandoned wells and gas wells, oil and gas wells, that need to be capped because they are leaking things that hurt the air. Putting a stop to the methane leaks and in the pipelines, protecting the health of our communities. It's a big deal. And we'll build up our resilience for the next superstorm, drought, wildfires, and hurricanes that represent a blinking code red for America and the world. Last year alone, these types of extreme weather events you've all been covering and you've all witnessed and you've, some of you have been caught in the middle of, have caused $99 billion in damage to the United States within the last year. $99 billion. And we're not spending any money to deal with this. It's costing us significantly. I met in Pittsburgh, I met an IBW electrical worker who climbs up on those power lines in the middle of a storm to try to put transformers in to keep the lights on when storms hit. He calls himself a 100% union guy. His job's dangerous. 
As he said, I quote, I don't want my kids growing up in a world where the threat of climate change hangs over their heads, end of quote. Folks, we all have that obligation, that obligation to our children and to our grandchildren. The bipartisan infrastructure bill is also the most significant investment since we built the interstate highway system and won the space race decades ago. This is about rebuilding the arteries of our economy. Across the country now, there are 45,000 bridges and 173,000 miles, miles of roads that are in poor condition. Some of the bridges you don't even take a chance of going across. They're shut down. They can't be built back to the same standard because the weather's not going to get a lot better. We just got to keep from getting a heck of a lot worse. We have to build back better and stronger. No one should have to hold their breath as they cross a rundown bridge or a dangerous intersection in their hometown. We're going to put hardworking Americans on the job to bring our infrastructure up to speed. Good union jobs and prevailing wages. Jobs you can raise a family on. My dad would say you have a little breathing room. Jobs that can't be outsourced. Jobs replacing lead water pipes so families can drink clean water. Improving the health of our children and putting plumbers and pipe fitters to work. Jobs laying thousands of miles of transmission lines to build a modern energy grid. Jobs making a high-speed internet affordable and available everywhere in rural and urban America. Particularly including the 35% of rural America that goes without it right now. This pandemic has made clear the need for affordable and available high-speed internet. The idea of a parent having to put their kids in the car for virtual learning, drive and sit in the McDonald's parking lot so the child can access the Internet when school is taught virtually is not only unnecessary, it's just wrong. It's wrong. As I said before, these plans are fiscally responsible. They are fully paid for. They don't add a single penny to the deficit. They don't raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. In fact, they reduce the deficit. Here's how. I don't want to punish anyone's success. I'm a capitalist. I want everyone to be able to, if they want to be a millionaire or billionaire, to be able to seek their goal. But all I'm asking is pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. And right now, many of them are paying virtually nothing. Last year, the 55 most profitable corporations in America, 55 of them, paid zero, zero in federal income tax on about $40 billion in profit. If they report big profits to their shareholders, they should be paying taxes. It's that simple. That's why the Build Back Better framework will have a 15 percent minimum on the largest corporations, a minimum tax of 15 percent. The top 1 percent of the wealthiest Americans evade, it's estimated by the experts, $160 billion a year in federal taxes. That's wrong. We're going to change that. I want to emphasize what I said from the beginning. Under my plans, if you earn less than $400,000, you won't pay a single penny more in federal taxes, period. In fact, these bills continue cutting taxes for middle class, for child care, for health care, so much more. Let me close with this. 
for much too long, working people of this nation and the middle class of this country have been dealt out of the American deal. It's time to deal them back in. I ran for president saying it was time to reduce the, the burden on the middle class, to rebuild the backbone of this nation, working people and the middle class. I couldn't have been any clearer from the very moment I announced my candidacy. That's why I wrote these bills in the first place and took them to the people. I campaigned on them. And the American people spoke. This agenda, the agenda that's in these bills, is what 81 million Americans voted for. More people voted than any time in American history. That's what they voted for. Their voices deserve to be heard, not denied, or worse, ignored. Because here's what I know. If we make these investments, there will be no stopping the American people or America. We will own the future. I've long said it's never been a good bet to bet against the American people. I've said that to foreign leaders as well as everyone here in this country, which means it's always a good bet to bet in the American people. Just give them half a chance. And that's what we're doing. That's what these plans do. They're about betting on America, about believing in America, about believing in the capacity of the American people. If you look at the history of the journey of this nation, what becomes crystal clear is this. I'll say it again. Given half a chance, the American people have never, ever, ever, ever let the country down. So let's get this done. God bless you all, and may God protect your troops, and I'll see you in Italy and in Scotland. Thank you. Did Manchin and Sinema agree to this? Are you relying on your commitment from Senator That was uh, President Biden at the White House today, obviously making the case for what he describes as an agreement. We'll see if it actually is an agreement with all 50 Democratic senators. Uh, Well, we'll see. Yeah, that's all we can do right now. You know, as uh, Pramila Jayapal said, this is a a bit of a leap of faith in the president that she that he has the votes of Manchin and Sinema. I know I certainly wouldn't trust either of them at this point, despite their statements today that they have been negotiating in good faith since the beginning, whatever that means. They did not promise to vote for this framework, and I would not trust either of them as far as I could throw them. And at this point, I feel like I could throw them pretty damn far. (laughs) So we'll see where this goes. I just want to let you know uh, where we are, because what has been lost uh in this uh, in these negotiations has has been receiving much more attention than what is still there for example while democrats had hoped to make the expansion of the child uh, tax credits permanent that's the $300 per child per month checks that millions of american parents are now receiving thanks to the democrats american rescue plan earlier this year uh that extension will not be permanent it will now be extended for an additional year for now the additional subsidies that millions of americans are receiving also thanks to the democrats american rescue plan if they purchase a uh, health insurance plan on the obamacare exchanges that will be extended for three more years according to this framework that has uh, lowered monthly insurance premiums to a dollar 
for many Americans. So woe be to the Congress who, when those extensions end, choose not to continue them. So it's easy and maddening to fixate on what is being lost here. It's also easy to blame the Democrats for that instead of the two people who are responsible for it, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Remember, the rest of the caucus in both the House and the Senate and the White House was good to go at $3.5 trillion with everything that came with it. Manchin and Sinema undermined their own party for whatever their corrupt reasons may be. But uh, they are to blame, not the Democrats. And in the meantime, if Biden and his party can finally close this deal, there will be a lot for a lot of Americans to be thankful for. Even if there still is a lot of ifs in the sausage making process still to go. Personally, I will echo Joe Biden here again. Let's get this done. So uh, that was not the only big news happening in Congress today, unfortunately. Let's take a, <laughs> let's take a break, come back with a report from uh, poor Desi Doyen, who woke <laughs> up well before dawn to follow today's hearings in the House Oversight Committee, uh, calling a bunch of big oil executives on the carpet for their years of lying about climate change and paying out millions to hoax the American people into believing that it was all a hoax. Poor Desi, because she woke up before dawn only to learn that Joe Biden was meeting with the uh, with the Democrats and pushing off that hearing. Anyway, uh, she's the only person in the country that has actually a good reason to be mad at Joe Biden today. <laughs> Just saying. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. No, please stop telling me lies. They've been telling us lies for decades now. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. The heads of six oil companies and major lobbying groups testified on Thursday in front of the House Oversight and Reform Committee in Congress as part of their investigation into the fossil fuel industry's decades of disinformation on the climate crisis and on the heels of reporting that not only did the major oil companies know about this crisis decades ago, they hid those facts from the American people. They lied about those facts and they paid millions of dollars to dark money astroturf groups to lie about climate change on their behalf. Uh, recently, one of ExxonMobil's top lobbyists, a guy by the name of Kevin McCoy, was caught on tape admitting as much as he thought he was interviewing for another job. Did we aggressively fight yeah. against um, some of the science? Yeah. Uh, yes. Did we join some of these shadow groups yeah. uh, to work against some of the early efforts? Yes, that's yeah. true. But there's nothing, there's nothing illegal about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were looking out for our investments. We mm. were looking out for 
are, are in uh, uh, our shareholders. Yes, yes, of course they were. By the way, that same guy in that same interview said they would uh, meet with Joe Manchin weekly, at least with his office. So, uh, Desi Doyen, what happened today in the House Oversight Committee? Did the big oil executives and lobbyists admit to their years of perfidy and lying about climate change. <laughs> no, of course they didn't. What? That's crazy talk. No, it was basically an epic gaslighting hearing with the mm. oil CEOs and Republicans trying to make sure that the American public did not focus at all on the oil industry's years and years of deception, lies, misinformation, disinformation, lying about climate science and trying to sow fear, confusion, and doubt about climate change caused by fossil fuels. So um, Democrats called this hearing examining whether oil companies engaged in a coordinated campaign to downplay these deadly, costly effects of their product. So we know that they they did downplay it. We know they did lie about it. So they're looking to see if they, the, the companies were colluding together in order to do it. Right. And it was not a hearing about banning oil, which Republicans in the hearing kept falsely claiming. So Republicans <laughs> and the big oil CEOs, they kept trying to shift the narrative away from the core subject mm -hmm. of the hearing, which again is whether the fossil fuel industry lied for decades about the deadly climate, climate impacts of their product. Mm -hmm. um, so it was chaired by Democrats. Democratic Representative Carolyn Maloney of New York and co-chaired with Ro Khanna, Democratic Representative of California. In the setup for this this hearing, they explicitly linked it to the tobacco industry hearings uh, that mm -hmm. had uh, basically exposed the tobacco industry's lies about how smoking causes cancer. Which makes sense because the big oil industry modeled their lying campaign after big tobacco. Yeah, they even used all the same people and the same Literally, flavor. the same Literally. liars. Yes. yes, and that, of course, the tobacco industry hearings led to a tobacco industry settlement. Mm -hmm. When in which the tobacco industry was forced to pay states for the damages that they caused. So mm -hmm. this is kind of a path on the way to making mm -hmm. the oil industry pay for the damages that they have caused. We hope. Yeah, we hope. So um, basically, just to sum up, the uh, the Shell, Exxon, BP, and Chevron executives, they all denied that they had ever approved any climate disinformation campaigns. <laughs> and this is a flat-out lie. Now, at one point, you know, one of the Republican representatives asked, have you ever approved an ad campaign that focused on disinformation about climate change? And they all said no. But they've all only been CEOs for maybe the last three to four years. Uh, so you could yeah. make a case that, yes, they were honest, that they are not doing that right now, but they have already done past in disinformation campaigns. They should have asked, has your company ever blah, yes, blah, blah. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and also 100% of their advertising today is pretty much about misleading the public yeah. about the climate crisis True. and what needs to be done to fix it. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, Republicans focused on deflecting attention away from the purpose of the hearing. They focused on China, on India and their emissions. They focused on uh, Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg. Oh, I hope they got her. She's, oh, yes. uh, she deserves it. What At a terrible... no time did the Republicans ever acknowledge climate change. That wow. it's real, that wow. it's happening, that it's wow. occurring right now. Um, they would not admit that the U.S. is responsible for the most historical emissions that have accumulated over the last couple hundred years. And uh, they also did not acknowledge that we are paying through the nose right now for costly extreme weather disasters. Mm -hmm. um, 
Florida Republican Byron Reynolds was outraged that the oil CEOs were being questioned about this at all. And he actually demanded that the Democrats apologize to them (laughs) for even holding the hearing. How Um, dare they? Yeah. I should also say Republicans also invited a uh, former worker on the Keystone XL pipeline. And, you know, I felt bad for him because he did say he was fired the day after Biden Recanceled the permit yeah. for the Keystone XL pipeline. But then, just a few minutes later, when he was being questioned by Republicans, he honestly admitted that, well, yeah, he's actually employed right now. Yeah, because he's a welder. He's yeah. a welder. He would weld the pipelines. He lost that job. So now he goes on and welds elsewhere. It's well, a, and he's actually yeah. working as a welder, maintaining aging pipelines there to make go. sure that they don't leak. Yep. So, um, also, let's see, Representative Jim Jordan, I think of Ohio was probably, the Republican, was probably the most representative uh, questioning that you could possibly hear from this uh, to summarize kind of the uh, approach of Republicans at this hearing. The the previous speaker used the word frustrating. I'll tell you what's frustrating is a member of Congress telling American oil and gas companies to reduce production at the same time the President of the United States is begging OPEC to increase production. That may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's the scenario we're in. God bless Chevron saying they're going to increase production. What, yeah. what does the gentleman want? $8 gasoline? $10 gasoline for the very families that we all represent? That This is craziness what they're talking about. I yield back to the gentleman. Thank you for yielding me 30 seconds. Yeah, so that kind of gives you an idea of how the Republicans approached this. Yep. Um, and also, uh, I think a, another key representative moment was when Representative Rokana, again of California, asked the CEOs of BP and Shell and Chevron to see if they would tell the American Petroleum Institute mm-hmm. to stop funding climate science denial, stop promoting disinformation about it. And he literally got silence. Total, as you know, they, they pulled their uh, commitment to, to API because they said they can't be part of an organization that is engaged in against the fight for climate change. Will each of you commit to leaving API if they continue to lobby against electric vehicles? Will any of you commit to leaving them if they're lobbying against electric vehicles? You know what's so, here's what's so <laughs> frustrating, because I actually think, I don't think I really don't think you're as bad as the CEOs of the past. I don't. I, I, I think you, you have tough jobs. You got there. You got a horrible record on stuff. You're figuring out how you don't get into litigation trouble while really trying to tell the truth. It's a tough act. I mean, I don't envy you. And I don't believe you purposely want to be out there spreading climate disinformation. But you're funding these groups. And they're really having an impact. You know, they're, they're, they're spending millions of dollars in Congress to kill electric vehicles. And they're spending millions of dollars against the, 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 the methane gas. And you could do something here. You could tell them to knock it off for the sake of the planet. You could end it. You could end that lobbying. Would any of you take the opportunity to look, look at API and say, stop it? Any of you? Will you commit to, could you commit, any of you? And, of wow. course, none of them did. Wow. So, he should have had uh, the crickets sound effect oh, going man. on there. That would have worked, yes. So just, you know, a quick summation. All of the CEOs, Exxon in particular, maintained that their public statements on climate change were in line with the scientific con- consensus, and that mm-hmm. is a flat-out lie. Yep. They all said they plan to continue production. They all kind of subtly blamed consumers in a kind of a threat, like, hey, we make your life possible, so don't do anything to yeah. us. Yeah. 
And uh, they also tried to cast themselves as willing participants in the transition. But notice that they all say lower carbon energy. They want lower carbon energy, not zero carbon energy, which of course would enable them to continue with business as usual. It's pretty much, you know, weasel words. Um, they also uh, said that they are prioritizing investments in renewables, but that's their biggest lie because less than 3%, I think it is, of all of their investments from in each of those companies goes to renewable energy. There was uh, actually a higher investment from some of the European companies, I think BP, uh, maybe Shell. BP and Shell, were, which are European companies, yeah. yes, they have actually made commitments to cut their production, their actual production, yeah. by 45%. The American companies did nothing of the Why kind. Why did the European ones do it, but not the American? Because the European companies. Union is going to make them do it. Huh. So um, go figure. Again, you know, this was it was really important for Republicans in big oil to convince the public that this hearing is about something other than what it was actually about, which is decades of lies by the oil industry and Republicans helping them to lie and disinform the public about climate change and its costly impacts. Uh, because you know we want to hold the, the, the we want to hold big oil financially responsible for the damages that they've caused, and the damage is still to come. Yes, we do. And uh, anyway, one good step, I guess, in that direction today in Congress. Desi Doyen, thank you very much for uh, waking up early to cover it. Uh, we'll take a quick break here and we'll come back with, yes, Desi Doyen again and our <laughs> Green News report that was laid down before the uh, hearing in, uh, uh, or as I guess, big oil uh, hearing was getting underway. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. The Bradcast survives thanks to you and your support. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us continue to do over your public airwaves what we try to do five days a week. That's bradblog.com slash donate and thank you. Very green news reporty day. <laughs> yes, it today. is. Two Desi Doyen green segments in one broadcast, which is <laughs> too rare, frankly. We should have two such segments or three such segments, as far as I'm concerned. Well, sure. Uh, every day on the broadcast, on the Desi cast. All right, let's get to it. Our latest green news report. We are still on track for climate catastrophe. Mind the gap. A new UN report finds massive emissions gap between where we are and where we need to be. Plastic could become a bigger polluter than coal by 2030, plus... It'll give a boost to consumer competence and acceptance of EVs. Rental car giant bets big on electric vehicles. I like big bets and I cannot lie. All of those big bets and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Bomb cyclone, yes. Bomb cyclones, because that's what weather is now. Just a combination of terrible things. So get ready for next week's forecast of murder typhoon, stab canes, and the rest of the week is floods that try to explain Bitcoin to you. Oh, no. Oh, that's the worst. This is your Green News Report. I don't care what blockchain is. Stop trying to explain blockchain.
Okay, Desi Doyen, the oil industry is grilling the rest of the world. Seems only fair that their own CEOs would get a grilling in Congress. (laughs) Yes, it does. As we go to air, House Democrats are grilling executives from ExxonMobil, BP, Chevron, and Shell about investigations that exposed how the companies have known since at least the 1970s that their products could cause dangerous man-made climate change and then spent millions to deny the science, mislead their shareholders, holders and the public and block legislation to address it. Go get them, please. Meanwhile, congressional Democrats are still hard at work trying to reach a budget deal that includes as much climate action as coal state Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia will allow. That's pretty much nothing. Manchin's time-wasting maneuvers and demands to gut climate policies in the Build Back Better Act have seriously weakened President Biden's hand at the big U.N. climate conference in Glasgow, where the U.S. will be trying to convince other nations to cut their greenhouse gas emissions even faster. I wish them luck. And new polls show that 6 in 10 Americans of all political stripes believe that the pace of global warming is speeding up, and 55% want Congress to pass a bill to ensure that more of the nation's electricity comes from clean energy. Yeah, well, if we did things because most Americans wanted them, we wouldn't be the United States of America. In advance of the climate conference, Australia, a major coal exporter, announced a target of net zero emissions by 2050 with zero details on how it plans to get there. Magic! China, Saudi Arabia, and Russia also announced net zero targets for 2060. And it matters, because the UN's new emissions gap report released this week finds that the world is dangerously off track between where nations are on emissions reductions and where we need to be. Mm, We are really screwed. In a press conference, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres called on all nations to strengthen their climate pledges. We are on track for a catastrophic global temperature rise of around 2.7 degrees Celsius. Now, even if the announcements of the last few days will materialize, we would still be on track to clearly more than two degrees Celsius. Totally fake accent. Now, the report finds that current pledges would only reduce global greenhouse gas emissions by 7 percent by 2030. But cuts of 30 percent by 2030 are the minimum necessary to avoid overshooting the Accord's two degree target. Scientists warn that more than two degrees Celsius of global heating would trigger profound global changes like deadly extreme heat waves, water shortages, global crop failures, and ecosystem collapse. As opposed to what's going on right now. In other news, a stark warning about plastic pollution. As the world moves away from fossil energy, the oil industry is trying to extend their profits by pushing to expand plastic manufacturing, which uses oil. A new report from nonprofit Beyond Plastics finds that if current trends hold, the plastic industry's greenhouse gas emissions are on track to outpace emissions from coal by 2030, effectively canceling out global efforts to slow climate change. Have I mentioned? within the last minute or so how screwed we are? Finally, a bit of good news. Car rental giant Hertz announced this week that it will buy 100,000 electric vehicles from Tesla, accounting for more than 20% of Hertz global fleet, and that it will add thousands of EV charging stations to its rental locations. 
It's one of the largest purchases of battery-powered cars in history and the latest sign of the car industry's shift to electric vehicles. I like those signs. Very nice. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, good or bad, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Just let her put you in the driver's seat Very nice. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. And, of course, uh, yep. Hertz ad there. I, hey, listen, I could have used an O.J. Simpson Hertz oh ad my. there, so you're <laughs> welcome. I didn't. Yeah, that would be a throwback. Sure. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, Desi yes. Doyen. Uh, I know it's been a long day for you, so thank you. Desi Doyen, of course, is our producer every day of the week. So we are always grateful for her, and we are grateful for you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can always download it for free at any time from bradblog.com. You can get all of our shows going back years and years and years to listen to again and again and again. <laughs> or share with your friends and family and neighbors and enemies. Uh, also, we thank those of you who stopped by our uh, site to uh, bradblog.com slash donate. We are 100% listener-supported on this program. Otherwise, you wouldn't hear us bad-mouthing everyone like we try to do every day, including the, our friends at ExxonMobil, who are still not sponsoring us. I don't understand why. Yeah, why? <sighs> We would shut up immediately. They could buy us <laughs> off. They should try. We could use the money. Anyway, uh, what's that? Oh, yes. What else? Uh, I am. Uh, you can email me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>